Welcome to Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons. Q is about conversation. If we're really concerned about ending poverty, we've got to be more concerned about creating justice. Our cultural products as Christians need to both defy and resonate with the culture. And God's doing amazing things. His church is expanding. His church is growing. It's not what's the purpose of my life. It's what is the purpose that's been assigned. Stay curious. Think well. Advance good. This is Q. Our approach being focused on what's strong in your community instead of what's wrong in your community and focusing on what's possible with the gifts that you have is such a game changer. It helps liberate us from uh, what might be kind of an automatic way of thinking, kind of our, our knee jerk response of I look around and I see all the problems. Welcome to this week's Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons. Hi, I'm Paul Perot with Gabe. And as you hear every week at the start of the show in the introduction, Q exists to help you stay curious, think well, and advance good. And the good we advance happens when we work with others, not just rolling up our sleeves, but also openly engaging with those around us to tackle issues we face together. Some issues are simple, some more complex, but Gabe, there is a starting place. I think we're talking about a topic today that's so important and it's become more important now that we've walked through a pandemic together and it's the idea of neighborhoods it's the idea of being good neighbors and what does that look like and as you're going to hear in this interview with dr tony cook who's the executive director of the hopeful neighborhood project there's been so much revealed to us about how we think about neighborhoods specifically over the last few months when our world has become so small and we've been forced to better understand our local neighborhood our community who we interact with, how often do we interact with them, do we know their names. And so today we're going to talk more about that. But before we get into that interview, I want to remind you that this is coming out of a conversation we had during our Q2020 virtual summit, where we had over 40 different talks and presentations that took place, all related to what does it mean to be faithful in a world now that's starting to change significantly. Some of these talks related specifically to COVID-19 and the developments that have come as a result of that. And then others relate specifically to the cultural issues, current issues, the news of the day, and how we as Christian leaders can move forward and be faithful. And so it's available to you if you didn't get to participate with us live, as over 10,000 people did. I want to make sure you have the advantage of going back and seeing those talks, watching those sessions, taking advantage of what we have to offer. And so you can do that at qideas.org slash 2020. And when you sign up for the whole virtual summit, it's only $96. And when you do that, you're actually going to also receive a one-year subscription to Q Media. Yeah, and Gabe, Q Media, what a great resource, not only for taking in this past spring's Q Virtual Summit, but also so many great talks from the past 10 years of Q conferences and events. Plus, there's a variety of podcasts, there's videos, Q dinners. We talk about that on occasion, all the topics are there, and also a lot of curated content. And again, it all helps you to stay curious, think well, and advance good. Plus, as a member, you can be part of special live Q sessions, like one we had recently on the issue of race and repair. There are subscription levels for you as an individual, as well as levels for various organizations. Learn more and subscribe at qideas.org. That's qideas.org. Gabe, you'll talk more about this later in the show. But for now, I want us to listen in to Dr. Tony Cook, executive director of the Hopeful Neighborhood Project, and we're going to talk all about neighborhoods 
what it means to understand our neighbors, what it means to imagine the future with our neighborhoods, what it means to build on the strengths of our neighborhoods, not just focus on the weaknesses. And so let's listen in now to this conversation. Well, Tony, it is so great to get to be with you on the Q podcast and have this conversation today. Yeah. Oh, I'm thrilled to be here. Thanks and, for having me. And listen, I thought our conversation we got to do at the virtual summit was such a great setup to better understanding the needs for us to be thinking about neighborhoods. And you and I have known each other uh, for many years. And when we were talking a year ago about the need for the work that you're doing right now through the Hopeful Neighborhood Project, I don't think we could have foreseen the nature of how urgent that was going to become. I mean, we, no. <laughs> we knew there were problems in our society. We knew some relationships were breaking down. We knew the church didn't always have the best approach in, in some cases to understanding the need of their neighbor. But man, we didn't know a pandemic was coming. No, not, not at all. It was a game changer. I know it was for you uh, yeah. and, uh, and for your, your, your workshop. But uh, for how we thought about this project and the importance of this project, when we were all in our homes, we became intimately aware of our neighbors around us. It really made us ask the question, are we thinking about the right things? Are we focusing on? And, and really, what can we learn? That's been one of my big things is, is what can we take away from what we learned about neighborhoods uh, from the pandemic? Right, because this was the test. I mean, this yeah. has been the test that you couldn't have created a research project like what we've just gone through over these last few months where you're at home. You're not really able to go many places. You either know your neighbors or you don't. Mm-hmm. You're now in a situation where it's hard to actually get to know people if you didn't already know them because everybody's a little skeptical. They're wearing masks. They're not so sure they want you to even come to the front door. Yeah. Uh, and so I think you're right. I think it was a good assessment where everybody just stopped for a minute and went, wait, am I being a good neighbor? Do I even know my neighbors? Do I even know how to get in touch with my neighbors if I can't walk over to their house? Do I have their phone number? I think it's been a bit of a reckoning to to go and reevaluate how well am I doing as you look at this test. What do you think are some of the things it's revealing for people as they stop and reflect on their neighborhood? Yeah, I think what one of the things that stood out to me was when things are going well, you know, when you don't have a pandemic, you really don't think about the interdependence that you have with your neighbors um, because we can all go do our own thing, right? But one of the things that you started to immediately realize is that when your world shrinks (laughs) as small as it did all the way down to the footprint of your home, that the reliance that we have on the people that are immediately around us, that was just uncovered. And one of my friends, uh, Drew, he uh, went around and um, put a sheet on everybody's door that had his, his phone number and his email address in case people needed something. And um, he got to know, you know, neighbors through that. You know, I, I have, I live in a very small house in the city and I can stand between my house and my neighbor's house and stretch out my arms and touch our two homes. So I'm living less than 10 feet um, uh, away from my neighbor, but do I really know what she needs on a daily basis? And, and during this time, we got a little bolder and we were able to reach out, talk to each other on the porch. People were using uh, platforms like I think it was called Nextdoor and posting needs that they have or saying, you know, I found some toilet paper or I found some disinfectant. Does anybody need it? And so I really believe that when we kind of pull away the, the luxuries that we have of, 
of commerce and capitalism and our ability just to order, you know, and drive and pick anything we want up uh, from the store, we realize that as human beings, we're really designed to to work in a very interdependent way. And that was one of the things that popped out. The, another thing that happened just um, this last week, my wife and I walk around the block and since we're not in a car, we decided to go down streets that we would never go down because they're not cut throughs, you know? Um, so we were walking around and seeing these homes. We didn't even know were there. And when we were um, coming around the corner, coming back home, there were these two brick houses. They both had uh, front porches and these families were sitting on their front porches. The kids were playing on the front porch and the, the parents were talking across um, the connecting yard to each other on the front porch. I don't think I had seen that in the six years that I've lived here in the city. So in many ways, it was kind of a flashback to I'm old. So the good old days, no, it, simpler times. <laughs> it really, no, it really did feel yeah. like that. And it, it does feel like that, that it's, it does. Yeah. And I, thought, sh- I thought that was a great point you made. Your world has shrunk now. Yeah. You can't get on. And a there's plane. some things we shouldn't lose, you yeah, know, right. um, out of this, there, there are blessings and remembrances that, come out of this pandemic that I think we really should hold on to. Yeah. And I'd love to hear some of your thoughts on that. I think for, for me, it has been a realization of a world that has shrunk. Who is your community? Do you have community? I'm curious since you've been studying neighborhoods so much and and really the development of neighborhoods, why they exist, how they function. Could you just give a little bit of more of a definition on, on a neighborhood? Because one of our key commands from Christ is to love our neighbor as ourself. And you hear that word neighbor these days in a global society. It's like my neighbor can live in China, right? But what does it really mean? What's the idea of the neighborhood? How do you kind of frame up what a neighbor is, what a neighborhood is, as we go a little deeper here into what you've been learning about the importance of neighborhoods? It's a very interesting question. For us, we take a very hyper-local approach to neighborhood. In some of the community development literature, they try to find ways of framing it by geography sometimes. But um, the the one quote that I like to pick up on is, uh, you start where you put your pillow, and then you expand out from there. Um, for us, a neighborhood is a geographic location in which you have daily interactions with others. Like I drive 20 minutes to work and I interact with people there. But what I'm looking at is the, um, from my home, kind of out in concentric circles, who are the people that I interact with on that hyper-local level? And there is no one definition, oddly enough, for a neighborhood. Uh, If you look at the United States and how we do our demographics, while some states in cities like St. Louis, St. Louis is made up of neighborhoods. I was doing air quotes there for you. There is no universal definition. So... Uh, People kind of have a sense of, am I in my neighborhood? You kind of feel like when you've walked beyond your neighborhood. And what we found is that that sense of that feeling is that when you have walked beyond the places that you normally go for the things you need. So you you could view your colleagues at work as your neighbors, technically in that definition, where it's like your kind of realm of relationships. And so I think it's actually helpful to hear you describe it. That if you were to just kind of take account of who are my relationships on a daily basis, a weekly basis that I'm interacting with and start to see them as my neighbors, that's, that's really helpful. Well, we find that um, community development is um, extremely relational. So a lot of times people look at community development as being programmatic. 
So you get a grant, you, you know, you have a program, you execute that program, and then you move on to the next grant. But while doing things, those activities are important for the well-being of a neighborhood. Just developing those relationships is one of the strongest and quickest ways of deepening well-being in a neighborhood. So uh, as inherently social beings, <laughs> uh, those relationships are important. So I tell people that if you go through training, you meet with five or six people um, that you interact with in your neighborhood, you never actually execute a project that you've actually deepened your neighborhood simply by deepening those relationships. So relationships are key, but then we continue to expand it out. For us, normally the widest boundary that we think that our project works in starts at your home and then probably goes as large as your zip code. And the reason we use the zip code, and I didn't know this uh, for a long time, was that research says that your zip code can be a predictor of health and well-being even more than your DNA. I was like, what? That doesn't make any sense, you know, when I first heard that. And I started to study it, and I realized that there are environmental factors, economic factors, uh, relational factors, you know, um, being in a food desert, for example, um, downtown, or living across in Illinois, where I lived at one time, um, where the town was uh, centered around a steel mill that had uh, a lot of pollution back then. And uh, children developed asthma, had uh, like three times the rate of asthma of kids in the surrounding areas. And you realize that, you know, we're creatures of, of place and embodiment. Where we live, we live there holistically, <laughs> our spirit, our, our mind, but also our body. And so zip code is a very important thing because it helps you kind of understand those environmental influences. And it was, it was fascinating because when they were talking about the pandemic, there was a guy on uh, the morning news that was talking about how they were starting to look at the spread of, of uh, COVID-19 and categorizing it by these zip code regions of states. And they realized that within these regions that there was different spread rates that were going on. Then what we do is if you get beyond your zip code, we encourage you to link up with another group in, in that zip code that you're working with and that you partner together. I, I think the technicalities of starting to understand neighborhoods, people are going to be more and more interested. I think local leadership's becoming really clear. You, you know, you're, I'm located in Franklin, Tennessee in Williamson County. You, what, what county are you in? Uh, I'm in the city, St. Louis city. Yeah. So yeah. you're in the city of St. Louis. And so your local leadership is defining what your life looks like right now in a way exactly. that my local leadership's <laughs> defining it a little bit differently. You know, we, we opened up weeks ago. We've, We've been moving a lot more. You know, our governor has different rules than your governor. And you start to realize how much for a season, I feel like for decades, it's been like the president, that leadership, that's what really matters. Maybe your congressmen and senators, people don't necessarily pay as much attention to the local elections, to their mayor, to whoever they're putting in these leadership positions. And you now realize that, wow, those are the most important elections. That's going to affect my life way more than things at the federal level. I think there's going to be a renewed energy towards going, what does it mean to truly be a good neighbor? What does it mean to be local? What does it mean to serve the community? What does it mean to be more engaged and aware? And that that does feel like a little bit more of an old American kind of world. But I think this moment is going to draw our attention back to that. And, and I wonder, Tony, you know, one of the great projects that you've been working on and you worked on with David Kinneman and the Barna team uh, was a project called Better Together, 
I've loved it. I love looking at the data and trying to better understand what's going on. And, and the subtitle for it's called How Christians Can Be a Welcome Influence in Their Neighborhood. I wonder if you just give us a couple of those just key high-level insights for you that would be helpful for leaders who are listening right now and wondering, how can I be a better neighbor? Uh, some of the insights that that pop out to me, the first one would be motivation. Many times we think people might have a, a self-centered motivation for for the things that they do within their community. But uh, one of the statistics that we found in the research was that the practicing Christians that we interviewed, they were very generous in their motivation. Uh, 68% of the practicing Christians, their primary motivation was to help someone else. So it wasn't, what can I get out of this involvement? As a pastor, you know, motivation is is key, um, and not only in what we do, but in how we think about our our members. And so the first thing that that I think is really positive is that the members of our congregation, by and large, they have a good heart, <laughs> and they they have this desire and this motivation to use their gifts to be generous. That's a huge thing. I mean, you already have one of the biggest things going for you, and that is a positive motivation. If you've done any type of adult education, you realize that adult education, you make or break it based off of the student's motivation. If they're not motivated, if they're not interested, they just simply don't perform. They, they don't participate. But here, you know, 68% having this motivation of being generous and helping others, I think is key. One of the other key things that came out was not only do Christians have this positive motivation, but pastors, the heart of pastors tells us that they want their people to live out their vocation in their daily life. And, and that's such a, an important piece. I, I was a pastor for a number of years, and, and anyone who's been around a church, I, I think, feels that a lot of times Christianity can be um, reduced down to worship. It can be reduced down to campus activities that we go to. And every pastor, when he preaches a sermon, and uh, we think, you know, Lord, just kind of set these people's hearts on fire to, to live as Christ in their community. And what we found is that the majority of pastors that we interviewed, that's what they wanted. The thing they were missing from the survey was they didn't know how to disciple their people in order to do it. They didn't know what to teach them or, or what skills that they can needed. Be, I mean, that can be intimidating for a pastor when you're trying to really equip leaders in your church who might have very different skill sets. They're working in very different types of environments. And I know some pastors kind of shrink back because they go, I don't have experience in that area. I don't, I don't know how to help you do better at the work you've been called to do if you're in the fashion industry or maybe you're working as an entrepreneur. Uh, and what we've always tried to encourage the pastors to do is go spend a day with them at work, sit in with them for a couple hours and just better get to know what their life's like, what their work's like, what are the decisions they're trying to make. And you'll be amazed at how much as a pastor, number one, you can learn. But number two, you start to see opportunities to maybe help them think and imagine different ways in which the gospel can kind of intersect their work. And and I'm glad to see, you know, that the data was producing this because, um, you know, one of the concerns 20 years ago, I would say a lot of a lot of pastors, if we were to look at kind of basic Christian theology around caring about the community, there was this tie to it that was around evangelism. It was, I will do something good in my community if it can lead to a presentation of the gospel that's really clear, that people can make decisions for Christ, and they can convert to Christianity. Of course, we want people to convert to Christianity. We want to be taking the gospel into our neighborhoods, but the motivation was very linked to that. And there's been a growth, I think, in just bigger theological understanding that 
it actually glorifies God when we do good with our neighbors, even if they don't convert, even if they're not given a specific opportunity in that moment to hear a presentation of the gospel. He is still honored by that. And so I feel like we've seen the church move forward and understanding the both and of this that John Stott used to talk about. He used to talk about good works and evangelism as like the perfect dance partners. You need them both, but it's not a 50-50 relationship. It's like a good marriage. It's like 100%. We give 100% to good works. We give 100% to evangelism. You don't have to try to parse this out. Uh, And when you do all of that, you're presenting this beautiful picture of the gospel that people are drawn to. Well, Tony, I... I know that you have been working on the manuscript for a project that'll come out in spring of 2021 called the Hopeful Neighborhood Field Guide. And I wonder if you could give us a little preview here of some of what you're learning. But don't, you don't have to give it all away, but what, what are a couple of those lessons that in 2020 right now, we could really start to apply if we understood the ways in which we could advance the common good in our community? Sure. Um, I, I think probably the the most foundational one is that our approach being focused on what's strong in your community instead of what's wrong in your community, this type of imaginative possibilities for your neighborhood, focusing on what's possible with the gifts that you have is such a game changer. I mean, it's been the core of asset-based community development for years. It helps liberate us from uh, what might be kind of an automatic way of thinking, kind of our, our knee-jerk response of I look around and I see all the problems and and half the time those problems are people, you know. <laughs> so people become a problem and if they would just pick up their garbage or move their car, you know, kind of thing. But uh, this approach, we want to focus on those kind of God-given gifts. And first and foremost, we believe that your neighbor is a gift and that you are a gift to your neighbor. So it's a very first article, if you will, creation focus that each and every one of us are given to this world for each other. So if we put all of our resources together in our neighborhood, what possibilities could we dream about? And that is a complete game changer when you start to work on community development. People are fascinating. I I love, even as an introvert, I, I love the uniquenesses of individuals. And I'm always surprised when I've known someone uh, for a number of years, and all of a sudden I realize that they're so gifted in, in a number of areas. And if we just took the time to, to talk to each other and to share those things, I think that our eyes would be opened, our imagination would be stimulated so that we could envision a deepening of that well-being and, and we could see great things come out of that. So that's one thing. Uh, Another thing is um, that it's very important that people value the uniquenesses of their particular neighborhood. There doesn't exist one program that works for every context. So, you know, I I grew up in a town of 600 uh, in the Midwest. Now, that's very, very different than living here in the city or, you know, um, living in a high rise in Manhattan. Each one of those neighborhoods are unique. They have um, different assets that are there. They have different strengths. They have uh, uh, different uh, community assets that are available, institutional as well as infrastructural. It, it's like we're given a box of Legos, <laughs> and and each box is a unique collection for each community. And you have to stare into that box of Legos and say, okay, now I'm not going to worry about what Legos this other community has, but what do we have and what can we build out of it? Well, Tony, thank you for your good work on this. I know you've spent years 
building for us to better understand this. And I know around the Q community, you're going to be here for a while, just helping, helping us navigate what the future of neighborhoods look like, what we're learning from this pandemic season, how we're going to be as churches in the future, able to serve more. I know one of my favorite talks as well at our Q event was one on community gardens, where we had a, a gentleman share about how churches are now starting to create community gardens. They were already doing that, but during this pandemic, how much more important that's becoming as a way to get to know neighbors, work together, get their hands dirty together, take advantage of a bunch of land and space that many of our church buildings have that's being underutilized or they're just paying to mow it. And instead mm-hmm. they should be planting seeds and growing yeah. vegetables. You know, I just thought, yeah, this, this is what it means to start thinking local again. This is what it means to start working alongside our neighbors. So thank you for, for all that you're leading. And we'll look forward to continue to see more that comes from this project. Yeah, I love the partnership. Not to quote the title of the of the monograph, but it, it is true. We are we are better together. Yeah. Thank you. I know we're better for having heard from you today and at our Q Summit. So thank you for being a part of this and uh, we'll look forward to seeing what more is to come. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks. I hope you've enjoyed listening to this conversation with Tony and he will be around with us for a long time, helping us better navigate what it means to be great neighbors. But you can learn more about everything that he just talked about at hopefulneighborhood.org. So check that out. And also a reminder, you can watch my interview with Tony that I actually did at the virtual summit. You can also get talks from Tim Keller and Boskamp, Francis Chan, Priscilla Shire, so many more leaders who are a part of the virtual summit. It's still available to you. When you subscribe to Q Media at qideas.org slash 2020, you not only get all of those talks, you also get hundreds of other talks from our previous gatherings and events and sessions and interviews and conversations. And you're also going to get the benefit of our curation. And that's one of the things that we value at Q. We know you're busy. We know that you've got so much information, content, podcast episodes. Everybody's telling you, you should listen to this. You should listen to that. It's hard to sometimes know where to start. And so our team takes an extra amount of time to better understand what do we think a Christian leader who's trying to be thoughtful about the world today, who wants to navigate it with faithfulness, what do we think they would benefit from hearing? How would they grow more? What kind of experiences can we create around the dinner table for them with their families so that they can have conversations that are substantive and that actually matter for the future? And so you can learn more about Q Media by going to qideas.org slash 2020. I hope you'll join in with that community of thousands who are participating with us on a weekly basis on learning and conversation. And we'll look forward to seeing you next week. This program is made possible in partnership with Faith Radio and Northwestern Media. Thank you for listening to the Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons podcast. These conversations are available because of listener support. You can make your gift now at MyFaithRadio.com. To avoid missing future editions of Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons, subscribe to the podcast today at iTunes or on your podcast player. And thank you for sharing this audio link with a friend and growing the impact of Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons.